Hi, I'm Mel Todd Wood. At CD Media, we've decided never to have a paywall on any of our sites. I hate those. But we have to make money, so we do have advertisements. But some people don't like ads. So what can you do? You can sign up for our no-ad subscription. It's a few bucks a month. You go to the top of any of our sites and sign up for the subscription, and you get access to all of our websites, all of the news from around the world. This includes our Eastern European, Israeli, Balkan sites. It includes armedforces.press. It includes all the U.S. papers that we've opened, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, the Manhattan.press, and the, those that are yet to come in the pipeline, which will be opening soon. So you get all this access to fantastic news from around the world with no ads, no display ads, no pop-up ads. I think you'll love it. Please check us out. It helps support CD media, independent media, and basically confronting the propaganda that's being put out by the corporate media. Thank you. Now let's get to our guest. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is American Conversations. And today we have uh, someone who is who understands human trafficking, former uh, ICE agent Victor Avila. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine, for having me. Glad to be with you. So uh, it's nice to talk to somebody who understands human trafficking. As, as I mean, because there's very few of us that have been in the field, um, you know, on the ground, and you certainly have. Victor, give the audience a little bit about your background, because you've been at the border, you've been at the um, the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Mexico. I mean, you 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 really have your eyes, you know, right there on the. On the, on the, you know, <clears throat> that's well, right. Um, and this goes back to, uh, I mean, you, you've seen this now through a couple of administrations. That's absolutely true. Um, um, several, I've worked under several administrations and um, I worked most of my career on the border and of course in Mexico and in Europe. And let me tell you a lot of uh, human trafficking in, uh, in Europe, uh, a lot of smuggling, trafficking, a lot of stuff that a lot of people think that only happens here that also happens over there. The, they have a big problem with uh, border security as well. So yeah, I bring that <clears throat> more of a global look and the bigger picture of human trafficking and also uh, the, the what I call local human trafficking of, of our own US citizens, not necessarily other people uh, from other parts of the world, but our own uh, children that are being trafficked. And so uh, I, I'm a retired, ICE, Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent. Uh, my subject matter expertise is human trafficking investigations. Did a lot of training on victim identification, uh, how to conduct a human trafficking investigation. It's probably one of the hardest investigations, I, I, at least for me. Uh, you know, I did a lot of different types of investigations, money laundering, uh, drug trafficking, firearms, and other stuff, with commercial fraud type cases. But human trafficking is, is, is very, very different. I always found many other violations of law within the investigation, you know, like murder and other types of uh, assaults and, and, and crime within the investigation of human trafficking within these groups. That's I let, transcriminal. It's correct. It's, it's absolutely transcriminal. And I think that's that, absolutely that, true. That when I started investigating, um, you know, which is almost 23 years ago, they, I think it was hard to understand, you know, because you're, you're dealing with a lot of people who are traumatized and That's, compounded trauma. And so their stories sound a little bit crazy. Um, but the thing is, it's a very crazy crime because it that, that's, so many other aspects. That's absolutely true, because, um, you know, the victims, when we encounter them um, and, and, and I want to kind of touch a little bit more about this because I'm a, I'm a we've been you and I have been 
dealing with this for many, many years. And human trafficking lately, although it has, has gotten good exposure, I think we also have lost track about what human trafficking is. Mm-hmm. Uh, prostitution is not human trafficking. Right. Uh, I'm the first one to say that because I know the difference between prostitution and, and, and a human trafficking victim. And, and all of a sudden, human smuggling is not human trafficking. Right. People that pay a fee to come into this country illegally is not human trafficking. And you hear that term. All these people are being trafficked all over the place. People, people t- throw it around. Uh, correct. Correct. And, and they, you know, most people don't even know what they're talking about. But let's let's go back to just the border here, because I think it, I think it's uh, that's what resonates with the public right now, at least in the in the states. Um, when we talk about migrations, all right, the one thing that when we did the investigation back, I think it was 2014. Um, there was there were there were some Spanish. Um, journalists who were saying, you know, come to America. The DACA was on the table. The documentary was coming out on it, uh, you know, publicly. And so this is during the Obama era. But what we found was that it was very coordinated. People people would get to Guatemala. They'd get on the Mexican beast that we call it the beast. Train. The beast. Correct. And then and then, you know, come come up. Tell us tell us what you saw between the difference between 2014 and 2020, 2022. Whew, it's a night and day, night and day, even before that in my career, completely different. And, and one major aspect of that uh, is the cartels. Um, when I investigated human smuggling uh, groups, um, they were separate from the drug trafficking organizations. The, the cartels did their, their thing. And the smugglers and the, the human traffickers were separate from them. Mm-hmm. Not that's not the case anymore. The cartels have taken over all of it. And let me tell you, the cartel doesn't necessarily like in dealing with people. It, it, it they're kind of a thorn in their side as far as their their, their strong point is, is drugs and the fentanyl and everything else that they're bringing into this country. Yet they will not ignore the money and the billions of dollars that human trafficking brings them. So they're willing to take it on. Yet they still kind of um, separated in a sense, but now they control all of it. So you see them send all these people down south of Texas uh, in Eagle Pass, Texas, that are going to turn themselves in. These are the ones that want to willingly turn up, turn themselves into Border Patrol. Then you have the others that are coming in to get smuggled and they'll smuggle you. They'll put you in stash houses, over 200 of them in Laredo just this past year. Uh, and, and so the smuggling has got becoming really big. Some of the smuggling does become trafficking and kind of an indentured servitude situation where these illegals pay the fee and then they don't or they don't pay the complete fee and still owe the cartel a certain amount of money. And the cartel says, you're fine. When you get to Wisconsin or wherever you're going, you owe me this money. and You will work for me, uh, whether either you work in construction or whether you work pushing drugs for them or in the sex trade as well. And so it, it, this is really where the big difference and shift has happened, where they have really controlled all that uh, illicit activity and they own it all and they own all the proceeds that come with it. And that's a big because it's affecting. They know the routes. They, they have those controlled throughout the U.S. If you look at the map of the United States, how they just branch out Arizona as well. And so they um, they, they have they have a major presence in our country and a lot i get a lot of pushback and um people just don't want to believe that the cartels are here they've been here for a while but now the difference is they actually are here full time they live here 
they live here, they interact here, they are making sure that their product is being pushed, that their uh, funds are getting returned to them. Because remember, drugs come north, the human trafficking and all that, the money flows south, but a lot of people don't, don't they kind of think to forget that the money then comes back north and it's implemented into our world banking system and the money laundering and all that. So that's very important to keep an eye on it. Well, let, but I want to go back. I want to go back to the difference between 2014, which is uh, under o o Obama, versus today under Biden, and and in between with Trump, because Trump tried to stop this at the border as much as he possibly could. Right. And then, but you know, we, we have four million people under under Joe Biden that's come over. I mean, that's that's that hasn't happened before ever, ever, and and I've never seen it. I talked to many, many border agents and other contacts that have they never seen it. We've never seen what's happening down there. I was just there this past month. I go down to the border about once a month. And every time I go down there, I just cannot believe my eyes and my ears of how open this border is where people are allowed to come into this country illegally. We have a remember, we have a legal process and I want people to come to this country legally. I'm not an anti-immigration person. I want people to follow the rules. Now, I understand that system might be broken and I'm willing to fix it, but that's what we have right now. And you have to go through that. And they're not. So so my question is, why do you think that the, the numbers have increased so off the charts since uh, under Obama, slowed down under Trump, and now now it's just out of control? Why, why do you think that this has happened? Policy. What, well, Policy. It, yeah, but what's going on with the cartels? Well, it's two. It's 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 multifaceted here. It's not just one thing. One is the 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 failure of the policy of the Biden administration. We know that they undid everything and and the they start they started ignoring the our own laws, our own immigration laws. All right, we know that. Them. Why, but what do they get out of it? What do they get out of out of uh, you know? I mean, in Washington, if you if you talk to people in Washington, let's say, oh, the border's fine, you know. But the, we know what the reality is on the ground. You know it as an expert too. You've seen it, all right. You've worked in that region. What do they get out of it, keeping those borders open and letting 4 million people in? At first, I thought the easy answer was votes. And everybody, a lot of people say, oh, well, they, they want all these illegal aliens to come and vote. And, and, and probably so that's still true. But now I think it's actually more than that. I think they're fundamentally trying to change our country. Um, this is another big difference that I've seen, not just from 2014, but even before then, when I interviewed a lot of illegal aliens and I arrested a lot of them, they came here with a purpose. They knew, like, one, I'm coming here to work, or I'm a drug dealer. Or, now, um, you don't get that. They, they don't want uh, to be Americans. That's one thing for sure. And now they're coming with a sense of entitlement, this attitude that the government of the United States or the country of the United States owes them something for some reason. I don't know why the burden has been placed on us. For some reason, we've accepted that burden and we have to now take care of everyone else. But that, that has translated down to the individual person saying, you better let me in. You better take care of me. So that's let's just call him him and her that the economic was, migrant. We, we, saw, we saw that um, we saw that attitude develop too uh, back in, during the Arab Rising when you had the migration when you had the collapse of the Arab Rising across uh, northern Africa and then you yes. had this you know, huge increase of migration into Europe. I mean, there was a sense of entitlement, and they had on the apps. Um, how to get to Sweden, how to get to Germany, and this, the, the social services that they were to once they got there. Do you, let's talk a little bit about something that, that the Biden administration just recently did. This is the last couple of weeks. 
they made an announcement that said that they were going to work with uh, the government of Mexico. And um, because there's a large increase uh, of Venezuelans coming in. Now, we, now my understanding is that because of the, the uh, economic collapse in Venezuela, a lot of these people have left Venezuela and gone to Colombia. And then right. they, they come up here. But now all of a sudden, the Biden administration is saying, okay, the, if, they, if they come here illegally and they're from Venezuela originally, that the Mexican government has to take them back, I guess, and send them back to Venezuela, or we can, the Biden administration will allow the Venezuelans to fly into the United States. What is this? What's your take on all this? This is, this is what's going on with the Venezuelans. And, and frankly, it, I, I believe it has nothing to do, these, these decisions of these changes and decisions by the Biden administration has actually nothing to do with putting America first and protecting America or any of that or border security. It really has nothing to do with that. It has to do with optics. They got caught uh, knowingly, knowing that they were allowing Venezuelans, especially the ones that the Maduro regime was releasing from prisons and coming straight to our country. I had received that intel weeks before and was putting it out before the intel, uh, the DHS intel report came out or as it was uh, leaked that said that, in fact, that was actually happening. I saw these individuals down at the border, soldiers, military, actual soldiers that these, were these in are, prison. These are Venezuelan, Venezuelan males, adult, single adult males. I point blank asked them, um, you're right. So some came directly from the prisons. Some came directly from Venezuela. Most of them were already gone from Venezuela, had already lived in surrounding countries like Colombia for several years. So one of the first questions I would ask them is, when's the last time you lived in Venezuela? Mm. And, you know, uh, like three or four years ago, that means that another country has already given them that asylum. Another country has already given them that, uh, that you know, first country type of, of, of rescue. Why do they have to go through four or five more countries to get to the United States? And we have to do that all over again. It makes absolutely no sense. But the reason the, these Venezuelans are being returned right now as you and I speak, by the way, not all of them, mm -hmm. um, are, it's, it's political. It has nothing to do with security. But let me tell you what, who else is coming. So, yeah, the Venezuelans might be reduced right now. But you got people from Nicaragua, Africa, China, Russia, Middle East, uh, China, you name it. You name it. They're all coming. And why aren't we returning those? What's the difference here? They're all well, illegal. When, when, the, uh, when the administration made this announcement, I thought to myself, it doesn't make any sense. Because if, you, if, they, were, if they have that first country, if they have asylum in Colombia from Venezuela, why would we be negotiating with the Mexican government to send those people back to Venezuela? Correct. It makes no sense. It, no, it makes no sense. All the policies that they have. I mean, and, and, and why just Venezuela when we have all these other different nationalities? And let me ask you, because, because Mexico is a sympathizer of Venezuela. Mexico is a, a sympathizer and best friend of the, of the Maduro regime and of Cuba. Uh, the, uh, Amlo, the president of Mexico, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, has known to have them in their country many, multiple times. And so... He's a communist himself, so they 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 sympathizers that they they agree in that in ideology, and so there's a deal been made there. Okay, so you're gonna help us send the Venezuelans back. Well, let me tell you, they just killed one. 
they just killed one a few days ago. They was, he was shot and killed, one of them that was returned there because the cartels. So remember, here comes the cartel again. Mm -hmm. The cartels control the, the country of Mexico. It's not the politicians. The politicians might make decisions here and there, but ultimately it's the cartels that have the last word. And their response is, we'll just murder you. If you're going to stay in Mexico and be rowdy because some of these groups, by the way, they blocked international bridges, ports of entry. They started kind of rioting and, and protesting on the Mexican side as to, again, the entitlement. Why are you not letting me in into the United States? How could you? That type of attitude. Well, the Mexican government, government uh, cartels, we don't know who's who sometimes, uh, is not going to deal with that. They're not going to you know, put up with that. And so they, they'll just shoot them and kill them. And that's what already happened this past uh, few days ago. And, um, and so now you see the Venezuelans kind of, oh, oh we're not going to, this doesn't happen. It doesn't fly here. So we're being allowed to be, be sent back. Kind of the same thing happened with the Haitians. The Haitians hadn't been in Haiti for some five, 10 years. They all lived in South America and Central America and in Mexico already before we had that big invasion last year in, in August in Del Rio, Texas. Uh, they didn't come from Haiti. The ones, the 15 or 1700 that were actually deported and sent back to Haiti, that was like a death sentence to them. As a matter of fact, they assaulted an ICE uh, personnel on one of those ICE flights that went back. And one of the uh, officers was, uh, his ear got chewed off and luckily they weren't armed or they tried to take over the plane. And so they're like, what do you mean? You're sending me back to Haiti? They actually hadn't been living in Haiti for many, many years. And that's what's happening is that we're treating these individuals. This administration is treating these individuals from all over the world like somehow they're entitled to some status in our country. Some of them are being given paroles. A parole well, is an I-94 permit. Well, let me ask you this. What are, what are, because you, you know, the, you know, the guys and gals that work on the, on the border. Okay. What are they thinking? When, when they, I mean, is it, is it, are they just disgusted with the Biden administration? It's, that's a good word. And I'll tell you what they are. They're, they're disillusioned. They're, they're demoralized. I don't know what other word to use. There is no morale. It doesn't exist anymore down there. They are really, uh, they're like walking zombies, un, unable to do the scope of their duties. Because if they tried to do their job, they would be punished for it. And so they're kind of in a threatened manner. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their pensions. Sometimes these border agents in, in these mm -hmm. hardship areas are the only ones that are providing for their family. And they have a future to think about. And so they must do their, like, I must do what they tell me to do. And let me tell you, I see it. I saw it this last time in, in uh, Eagle Pass, Texas. They are just beyond over and done with this. They just want to be able to do their jobs. And have the support of the rest of the uh, of the system. And I'm talking about the criminal justice system. I'm talking about the U.S. courts and the Department of Justice because I, as an agent, I could do all I want and investigate and arrest somebody. But I, if I didn't have a U.S. attorney on board, that was the end of my case. Or if I arrested somebody, kind of what's happening around the country with this bail reform stuff, if I arrest somebody and they're going to release them the next day or that same day, um, I need that backup from them as well to prosecute these individuals that I investigated. And that's what we don't have now. We don't have it a lot, obviously, at the state level, but we definitely don't have it at the federal level when it comes to illegal immigration. Everyone coming illegally has violated one law, and that is illegal entry, 8 U.S.C. 1325. 
That's one law, plus mm -hmm. many other laws that uh, they have violated. Some others, child endangerment laws, so many other violations there. But there's no prosecution, human smuggling violations. Uh, even our Texas DPS troopers who are doing Operation Lone Star trying to keep that at bay, even though all these individuals are already in there, they will catch the human smugglers. They'll catch the driver with 10, 15 aliens. The aliens get returned to Border Patrol. Border right. Patrol process them, and there they go. And the, the driver might or might not be prosecuted either on state law or federal law. And it's this well, game somebody, that we're playing. Somebody will be prosecuted if they if they have a truck and there's a bunch of 15 dead immigrants are in there. That That's when they do the process. That, that, I mean, you can, you, right. I mean, like the 53. I mean, that's right. that, that would go without saying that if they, they wouldn't prosecute that person. But but it has to be that extreme for them to do actually and hit the news nationally to be able to do something about it. And that's not that's really a big shift. From, uh, when I worked, we, we arrested people and put them in jail, the bad people and and send them how, to the process. How long did you work at ICE? I worked a total of 12 years. And before that, I worked for the U.S. court system as a federal probation officer. So very well aware of the United States courts and that system and how it works after someone gets arrested. A lot of times, agents and police officers, they realize earlier on in their career that when they slap cuffs on someone, that's just the beginning of the next mm -hmm. phase of the criminal justice system. Uh, you better have your ducks in a row because you're going to court and either a jury trial or plea guilty or whatever happens, but there is a process you have to go through. And so I was able to work uh, part of my career on that end, and it helped me to understand what I did as an agent to have those, uh, all those things lined up. So this is a colossal mess. Uh, you've seen the transition um, for, for over a decade. What do you think needs to be done? I mean, is, can it be fixed? Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. I, you put me in charge and, I, and I'll, I'll turn this around in 30 days, but even sooner than that, because it's, it's several. It's, it's very simple. You give the authority back to the Border Patrol. You give them you give the authority back to the who, has the, who has the authority now. I mean, if it, it, well, it, it, it's it, ultimately it's, it's Biden, but West on the it's Biden. But it's really the Department of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who, who, by the way, he will not be here very long. We, we're going to take over in November and he will be impeached. And either I'm predicting that he's going to leave even before he gets impeached. He's not going to be allowed to be impeached. I think Why he'll he resign because of his dereliction of duty. He's just uh, as, a, as a secretary of Homeland Security, you cannot ignore uh, like we were talking about. You have you have taken an oath to protect the Constitution of the United States and the sovereignty of the United States and uphold the law. Uh, by you allowing your employees of this department to do what they're doing, is which is nothing and not enforce the law, you must go. You are now uh, you're breaking the oath. You're uh, he's gonna be he's he's gonna be impeached or he's gonna go. I think he's gonna go, and that's gonna be a big shift. That's gonna be something that's gonna send a big message. And and although Biden might just bring another one just like him to replace him, you're gonna see that the, the, the impact that it's having on the people around the country is going to get to them because it's the people that are, that, right. these, so that, that are being represented here. Well, you're, you're, whether or not he gets impeached or he goes or whatever, but you're saying that that's that to, in order from your perch, you're thinking that, you know, you get rid of him and you just start enforcing the law. But how that's do you one. stop the flow? How do you stop 4 million people coming to the border? Well, the, the states have to step step up, and that's at the state level, and, and declare an official invasion. 
and uh, my governor in the state of Texas refuses to do it. Carrie Lake, if she gets elected, which we think she will in Arizona, will do it on day one. I have already been down there in Arizona, met with 26 legislators. We are prepared to have it ready and set up on day one when declaration, the declaration of invasion comes through because the authority to the National Guard and their state police will be fully given with that declaration. And that's a game changer. It's never been done before. Well, but that's what we that, have to do that, now. That would be with the Arizona border. You still have you still have the other other states. That's right. Well, so I think that the Arizona, uh, uh, what they do in Arizona is going to put the pressure on Texas. So the Texas governor will then declare the invasion in Texas. That's what we need to do because the federal government, Biden is never going to do it. Uh, as much as he might, he might do policies like the one we're seeing with Venezuela here and there and try to you know, band-aid it here. That's not what it is. What we need is a full force, full force control of the border. That's what we need. And All right. what about what about the flow coming through Mexico? How do you push back against them, the cartels in Mexico? Because they're making money off this. Well, uh, the declaration of invasion doesn't take them into custody. It sends them back at the line. And that's the big difference. We're not we're not taking. Wait, so, so what's the cartel going to do? That's a very good question. We're, we're going to have, and so this is the, the word that I've been using lately, is the disruption, right? We're going to disrupt what's happening right now. N nothing is disrupting the cartels. Nothing is disrupting the policies in Mexico. Nothing is disrupting the flow of people coming in and the illegal activity, uh, the terrorists and, and all that. Nothing is disrupting them. We must implement. Yeah, but, but what's your what's your vision? On, I mean, okay, so that, that that's a disruptive model. But yeah. then you, when you have to think ahead if you're thinking about policy. So you you stop them at the border. You declare it an invasion on the state level. You get out the National Guard. You bring them to the border. You say, okay, boys and girls, you're not coming in. And you just send right. them back. Then what? Then, then you, you, have, you, you have to have four million people on the other side of the Mexican border. And you think they, they got to go. They got to go back home. They got to go back home. And that message is going to be clearly sent. Just like, they, just like the message is clear right now that you could come over on their phone, hey, bring my cousin, bring so-and-so. I got here from so-and-so. It did work. That's why you have millions of people doing it. Now, all of a sudden, those phone calls are going to be different. They didn't let me in. What do you mean? I'm stuck in Mexico. All and right. I'm stuck in the cartel. All right. So, so uh, we also have, and I always think, think about this, when, when my, migrations happen, and we saw this um, going in from Northern Africa uh, after the Arab rising into, into Europe. There were SIM cards that were given. Oh, okay? yeah. We know from during the Arab rising that the money was given to the uh, non-government organizations who then gave them the SIM cards to the migrants coming in. And then on the apps, on the phones, mm -hmm. they had, you know, how to get to Germany, how to get to Sweden. And again, your social services. What's on the phones on the um, migrants coming in at the border? They all have a phone. And as a matter of fact, the last time I'm glad you brought that up. And I, and I love talking to you because, you know, uh, amongst the trash and let mm -hmm. me tell you, it's a lot of trash that they leave behind. They bring back, bring over a, a bag with their dry clothes. They keep their phone dry. They come across, they wade the river, they change their clothes into the dry clothes. But here's what they, they drop. They drop all their clothes. They drop all any kind of identification from their from their government or whatever the Mexican government gave them. Uh, they drop all the contraceptive pills. 
let me tell you, oh, every woman is on contraceptive pills and condoms because they know that more than likely they will be raped and they don't want to get pregnant. And guess what? Absolutely SIM cards. Like you see the little square with the cutoff of the SIM card where it was? Mm -hmm. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Who's they all giving, have who's, them. Who's giving those SIM cards? I mean, and, NGOs, NGOs, non-governmental organizations on both sides. Um, um, who's funding them? We are the State Department, our own money. Sometimes the left, the, the, the George Soros type of uh, uh, people, but it's our own government, really, our own money. Soros was doing it during Arab Rising. He was giving money to the NGOs in Europe, and then they were giving them to the to the um, to the to the migrants as they were coming in. That's right. They all have a cell phone. They all have a plan. They all have a contact. They know. Um, they get them on airplanes, buses. I've flown with them so many times on commercial so, planes. So when, so when we talk about smuggling and human trafficking, I mean, if you're giving SIM phones to people who are doing that, are those people complicit in, in breaching the law? Absolutely. If you're, if you're enabling. <laughs> I mean, I, I one of the I wish somebody would be investigating Catholic charities and the and the and the whatever coal. I forget the complete name and the one in Del Rio, the coalition. There's another guy in El Paso that control all of this. They're making millions of dollars. Are they complicit? They're aiding and abetting smuggling and trafficking. Absolutely, especially so, the children. So, Victor, why aren't they shut down? Who's 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 why are why why because you know, no one's investigating state level why why aren't prosecutors bringing cases? No one's investigating. No one's prosecuting. You know, I I stand down there by the wall. I see them. I talk to them. I do all this thing, and I'm thinking, where's the agent like me? Right when I was an agent, a special agent, an undercover agent, uh, whatever. Where are they? Why aren't they here listening and getting all the intel? And because they're not allowed to. This administration and I and I got a taste of that during the Obama that administration. No, you're saying that there's no will, there's no will, political will. No, the agents want to do it. And believe me, I support them. They want to. They're not allowed to. I I I know what they went through. I went through that with the Obama administration, where uh, I forget the years here, but they um, sent the one of the first orders down from the White House was do not touch uh, illegal aliens between the ages of 16 and 28. All of a sudden, just because the president said so. And I remember I was going to arrest a, 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 a drug dealer who happened to be an illegal alien in El Paso, Texas, who was enrolled uh, at the university there. And we were about to arrest them at the university and we were ordered to stand down. So because that's when the order came, you cannot arrest them at any educational institution, at any courthouse or at any um, religious institution. So that's, what, that's where we used to get them. <laughs> Was was this uh, during the whole discussion about uh, legalizing DACA? Even before, yes, even before DACA. So they were already protecting illegals before DACA. DACA came after, um, and so they were already protecting them. They were already doing this behind the scenes. A lot of people obviously do not know this, but they were already protecting the illegals that were in this country and the ones, even the ones that were committing crimes, because we couldn't go and arrest them at the places where we wanted to. So the, actually the agenda was there and it's been there for a long time and they've been working now that they, they had the, the power of the, of the three branches, you see what you see today. So let's talk about 2022. Okay. Among the, the immigrant communities here in the United States, what are you hearing in terms of uh, if, they, if they like Joe Biden? Well, it, it, it's confusing because 
they love Joe Biden because they give him the credit for them coming into the country. Thank you, Joe Biden, for letting me come in. And then you ask them, where are you leaving from? Well, I'm leaving Cuba. I'm leaving Venezuela. I'm leaving these uh, crap city uh, countries that are socialist. And you, and you ask them, well, do you want that here? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Well, then that's exactly what you're going to get if you support this president. And they're confused. They don't know. They don't know. And they practically, I don't think they care. Because let me tell you one word that has really, really changed. And I wrote this, this word in my book because in this administration, you cannot use this word in any document. And I'm not exaggerating you. The word is assimilation. That's a bad word. That's Why a bad word. Word assimilation. You cannot use the word assimilate, assimilate or assimilation in any document under this administration because assimilation, how dare you ask people to assimilate to this country? That's the big difference that's happening now. My parents came from Mexico legally, but the difference is my parents wanted to be Americans. They, they didn't just look for the American dreams. They worked for the American dream. They worked hard. They raised the children. They didn't depend on the government. And here you, I am a result of that. Mm-hmm. And they grew up and, and trained and, and, and you know, uh, have a patriot sons and daughters because uh, I'm an American. I was born in Texas, raised in the United States. Yes, I'm from a uh, Mexican descent. Doesn't mean that I, I hate Mexico. Doesn't mean that I ignore my heritage. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the, uh, my parents came here and, and in fact became naturalized citizens a long time ago. That's the difference. They, they took in the culture. People tell me all the time, well, what culture? Well, the culture is God, country, and family. That's what it is. That's the culture. You work hard. You, you take care of your family, the nucleus of the family. Um, you, you raise your kids right. You, 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 know, you try to do better for them. It, it, it's, it's not complicated, but that's not what the left wants. And so they don't want these people to come here and assimilate to our, our culture, our fundamental uh, upbringing. They want, and the groups coming in, want their country here. They want Nicaragua here. They want Afghanistan here. They want Guatemala here. They want Mexico here. And you just cannot have it both ways. Because even though they know they come from these broken countries, they, their heart and their mind still belongs to that country, not this one. And that's very dangerous because you have millions of people that think that way. All you have to do is look at a game, a soccer game. And uh, when the United States plays Mexico, tell me who, the, who they're cheering for. I put, on my US, I put on my U.S. flag and my U.S. shirt and, uh, as a Hispanic American. And I'm like, why are you cheering for the team that for the other you don't side. live there? You don't live there. Little things like that. Little things like that. But try to do it in Mexico. Here in the United States, you could fly that Mexican flag all over the place, an Honduran flag, and Ecuadorian flag, and nobody tells you anything. But go try to fly the American flag in Mexico and put it in the back of your pickup truck, see what happens to you. So uh, you wrote a book. Tell yes. us about a book because it's, uh, it's, it's about a specific story. Yes, Agent Under Fire, uh, Murder and a Manifesto. Um, I wrote this book uh, because of the tragedy that a special agent Jaime Zapata and I went through back on February 15, 2011. We were ambushed by the Zetas cartel when we were assigned to the U.S. Embassy. We we're given a basically a botched assignment to go pick up some equipment. We traveled from Mexico City up towards 
Monterey uh, met our uh, counterparts to pick up this equipment on the way back. We were ambushed by eight shooters, uh, were shot at uh, over 100 rounds. I was shot three times and miraculously, you know, I'm here uh, by the grace of God. My partner tragically died, Special Agent Jaime Zapata was uh, killed in the line of duty. And uh, obviously that changed my world and, and my, that of my families, but it also happened under the Obama-Biden administration. Two of those weapons recovered that were used against us were part of Operation Fast and Furious, if you guys recall that boxed mm -hmm. operation. And so my, my family and I got the short end of the stick. Um, you know, they, I guess they didn't expect me to survive. And so uh, they kept me quiet for a long time. To this day, we have very unanswered questions because there's been two U.S. federal agents killed with Fast and Furious weapons just two, two months before our shooting. Agent Brian Terry, Border Patrol Agent Brian Terry, was killed with Fast and Furious guns. And that's what actually blew up Fast and Furious. And, um, and, and this nobody, box, was, nobody was held accountable for that. No one. Uh, Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, but no one went and arrested him, right? Now, now people I see getting arrested left and right for being in contempt of Congress, but not if you're a Democrat. And so um, I wrote this book. It details, it tells you a little bit. If you read this book, you'll know who I am. You're going to think that you, we've been hanging out for a long time. It's very raw, it's very personal. That's how it is. I, it, you, you learn about me a little bit, my family. Uh, my cases, I, I talk about human trafficking. I put a case in here, mm -hmm. specifically one of the worst cases that I worked because I wanted people to, I still get people that, that think that human trafficking doesn't exist or child trafficking doesn't exist. And I, mm -hmm. I made sure that I put that case in there. And then of course I go into detail of the shooting and my assignment in Mexico. But then I went through a very a type of identity crisis after the, book, after, uh, the shooting. And I said, listen, I was getting, I was just getting to be known as a guy that was shot or the agent that survived, but I actually have a lot of expertise when it comes to border security. So I wrote about him here and I put the last part of this book. You're going to read about the Don't wall. give it all away. We want people. No, to no, but you will get a breakdown. You would think I wrote this book yesterday. That's how relevant it is today. And not only the problems, but the solutions that I would bring. So, Victor, how, how do people get, get a copy of this book? Where's it? You can go to agentunderfirebook.com, and I have all the links for every. Well, you want to go straight to the publisher, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You could go right through there. You could also visit me at victoravilaspeaks.com. Victor, thank you for joining us today, and thank you for your insight of what's going on at the border because it is it it, it is a topic. There's no doubt about it in terms of the 2022. It's, it's not above, you know, God, gas, and groceries, but it but it definitely the uh, immigration is an issue. Very true. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.